Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back to Evil Man. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Chris Locke. And I'm your other host, James Hartnett. And I'm your third host. And my name's Michael Bellazzo. <laughs> I already forgot how that voice I started out with went. Is this the same voice? It sounded like uh, Owen or Luke Wilson. I mean, they have the same voice, kind of. I thought Chris sounded like the lawyer from The Simpsons. My client, Lisa Simpson, oh. you know. My client, Lisa Simpson, is an evil man. Welcome to listening to this thing. It's really good. We're glad to have you back. I hope your ears are ready to have a lot of fun. Here's something special about this episode of Evil Man that you listeners might be interested in. Mike, James, and I are all outside on my balcony together. We're not doing this over Zoom, Skype, all that crap. We're together, three... Men in person, in person, it's, it's a it's a bit of an adjustment. Mm-hmm. It's I like it, but it's an adjustment. I've only seen Michael twice in person in like a year. Yeah, and I don't think I've seen Chris uh, for even longer. So that was except for one comedy show. But uh, oh yeah, yeah, it's been a long time. We had we had beers and wings at Tallboys. Yeah. That was pretty sweet. Yeah. And James and I partied all through the pandemic. We didn't care at all. <laughs> no. We're not even yeah. vaccinated. No. We no. don't believe anything <laughs> that anybody has ever said. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and we've been <clears throat> having lots of affairs as well. We pretty much reject all, um, you know. Yeah. Societal norms. Yeah. Or anything that the man tries to tell us. Like, what the hell? Like, we're trying to have fun. We got one life. I don't even believe that uh, the environmental crap. Me neither. I, and I, you know, I've been riding my skidoo uh, in the summer. I don't, I'm not buying into this winter-only bullshit. I've literally been buying, uh, like, tons of gasoline and just pouring it in the park. <laughs> <laughs> this is nice. It's nice to be outside. We got a, a little palm tree on the balcony. We got some flowers, thanks mm-hmm. to my wife. It's a kind of a... You have a book a about Halloween? Junglescape, a book. For, oh, yeah, my my kids, who are five and two and a half, love evil men, too, so they love Halloween and all that stuff. Yeah. That's really cool. I had something I, I sort of thought I could talk about um, that's going on for me. Um, you are entering the James Zone. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, I got to get stuff off my chest all the time. Um, Can I do your intro for the James Zone? Yeah, sure. that was good welcome to the james zone um how many of people out there have cats you have a cat you got two girls bernadette and wolfman i used to have a cat in high school and then it got very big and it died slowly from a kidney problem Okay. And it ended up using the whole basement carpet as a one big litter box. <laughs> I'm sure that must have smelled great. It was great. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, we have two cats, my girlfriend and I, and uh, male and female. And the female's fine. I love the male, too. But how do you guys, what's your stance on when your cat needs on you? K-N-E-A-D. You know, what? you know, it needs yeah. you it, oh, like, like with a dough, K, it, like it's making pizza. Exactly. It's putting its paws on you and kind of massaging you. You know what claws I mean? Claws in? Claws out. No claws. Uh, not really. Okay. And I don't really have a problem with that. But one of our cats, he, he's like slow in some way and he has this messed up face and he starts kneading <laughs> on my lap or my 
Dude, stomach. Should you explain the messed up face a little bit? <laughs> well, he's an exotic, like, he's a cat with a smushed face. Yeah. Anyway, maybe maybe we take that Every up. time I talk to you, you're always like, I just, uh, I'm free to meet, but uh, I got to bring the cat to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, he's like a wretched being. I love him. He's so sweet, but he's yeah. not meant for Earth in a way. Didn't he just have to have all, his, all, of, his all of his teeth, teeth out? Removed. Yeah. Oh, my God. Allergic to his own teeth. I'm sorry. He's going to be true. popular in prison. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, Mike. No, I don't like that joke. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I'll be sitting on the couch and he starts kneading on me and it's like yeah. that's cute but then i really do feel like he gets like in a weird zone where it's like nothing else exists for him like he's so focused on it and he makes a weird noise and he'll do it for like 20 minutes and i'll st- i'll try to push him away and he'll resist and lean into the hand so like i can't push him away i honestly feel like it feels disturbing it feels like he's <laughs> Getting gratification out of needing me. Have you mm-hmm. ever had this? Never really to that extent, no. Well, anyway. I mean, it sounds, initially it sounds relaxing, and then it does seem like a... You start feeling like an animal is getting off on me. Huh. Mm, but needing is not like but it, humping. But it feels like that. I don't know why. Well, I feel is the cat way. needing you with its <laughs> butt? <laughs> <laughs> no. But sometimes he does tr- try to do it on my penis, and I have can to I, move his hands. Can I say that when we first entered the James oh, Zone? Shut the fuck up. When we, when we first entered the James <laughs> Zone today, I didn't know it would be a story about bestiality. <laughs> well, I'm going to take my James Zone <laughs> intro back, please. Well, look. <laughs> I mean... Sometimes it feels good when my cat <laughs> needs my dick, and I'm well, all like, fuck My off. point is... Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look, this is the police. Everyone inside the James Zone, please put your hands up. (laughs) There's pressure. There's pressure to come up with content for the intro. So sometimes we rise to the occasion. Yeah. Sometimes we take a wild stab in the dark, and and sometimes (laughs) we just you know play fast and loose. Well, this is something I'm experiencing, and I'm not ashamed that that's how I feel. Being honest sucks. Yeah. (laughs) Don't ever be honest about cats giving you a hand job <laughs> well look to be clear it's just like you're sitting there and he's kneading for 20 minutes and then it starts going over to your penis and you're like get off of me that's all i mean you're i'm like, not stop i'm not, doing yeah, that. I'm not I know sitting you mean. there leaning back with no, my no, hands behind my head I picture mm-hmm. you going like stop doing that in about seven minutes <laughs> do you think the cat no. can smell your penis and then there, it is no it's well over. maybe i don't know animal senses i feel smell. like animals smell penises and butts from all creatures. Yeah, you're right. Well, maybe, but he's not. He's he's doing it all over the place. He's not. <laughs> he's not. You know, bullseyed in on my penis. He just does it all over the place. Kind like, of ah. like a masseuse. Exactly. It really is. They like eventually that. do get down there. And truthfully, last night I had gas and I felt bloated and I lay on the couch and he started doing it to my stomach and I was like, well, this isn't so bad. So you're, you're farting in the gas face while it jerks you off. <laughs> So my cat's jerking me off, and I'm farting all over the place. (laughs) Your girlfriend walks in and goes, what stinks in here? And you go, everything. Everything stinks right now. (laughs) I got to tell you, James, we are not cutting this out. 
Oh, God. Well, I think I stand by everything I said. I think pet owners can relate. Yeah. Animals, cats and dogs, they don't have that awareness. They don't have scruples yeah. in regards to that. They don't know what the hell we're talking you about. Know, I, if, now that you bring this up, James, I'm They don't reminded... have Christian paranoia about privacy. That's right. Yeah. Do you guys remember at the end of The Price is Right? Because Bob Barker is a big animal rights guy. He used to always say, mm-hmm. we all remember this, he'd say... You know, uh, control the pet population, have your animals, have your cats spayed or neutered. Mm-hmm. And he would also say, as the credits rolled, and if your cat gets up in your lap and starts <laughs> kneading your penis, <laughs> even if you have gas and you're farting in its face, just let it do its thing until you finish. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I've, I've truly never, you know, That's gone what Bob the Barker whole way, say. but now that with your guys' encouragement, maybe I I'll mean, think Bob about Barker it. probably adopted those elephants from the Toronto Zoo. <laughs> Just so their trunks could yank his <laughs> crank. <laughs> the price is right as rain with these elephants. <sighs> I mean, did you guys know he did that? Yeah, I knew he adopted. The, yeah, some Toronto elephants. Did he for real? Yeah, yeah. He d- he saved them from our zoo. Oh, he was like elephants shouldn't be in Toronto, <laughs> and the elephants were like, "Hey, guy." Did you hear? We're getting adopted by that guy from uh, Happy Gilmore. <laughs> this is the best thing uh, that's ever happened to elephants from Scarborough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Did you see who adopted us? <laughs> hey, get one of those uh, ladies that spin the the stuff to uh, come over. <laughs> All right, forget it. Sorry, guys. Are we oh, yeah. exiting the James Zone? Uh, yes, I'm comfortable exiting the James Zone, if you guys are. <laughs> I feel refreshed by that visit to the James Zone. Holy Thank shit. You. Yeah, well, it, you got it. we need something to break the ice, you know, get us loose, and that's what the James Zone is for. Enter the James Zone means going deep into the psyche of a psychopath. <laughs> Oh, God. Who knew? thought it was going to be a funny little lark, but uh, I we have to keep that. Yeah. Sure. Well, okay. And just to be clear, I but love maybe the cat. He's sweet. Yeah. But it's just this element starts irritating me when I'm lying on the couch trying to watch old seasons of Survivor. Mm-hmm. But, and the other, cat, the other cat doesn't do... No, do no. She, the other cat I, watches. Well, yeah. Sort of. <laughs> I love this cat. He's great. It's yeah, just yeah. this one thing. It's invading your personal space. It makes you uncomfortable. Yes, it's invading it's a my creature that space. doesn't understand how you feel about your own body. Exactly. And the limits and the boundaries of your own body. Exactly. Yeah. No, you're right. When a dog starts humping your leg, it's like you're so mad, but the dog has no clue that it's doing exactly. anything. Exactly. You're just like, get off of me. And he's it has going, no huh? idea about consent. Really? Yeah. What? I can't hump you, but I love you so damn much. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> yeah. Like it talks like Goofy from <laughs> the Disney. Hey, can I hump your leg, my friend? <laughs> what does it mean? Because I never, my family, we never had dogs. What does it mean when a dog, like, bu- jump bumps its butt along the carpet? Oh, like, like, yeah. Kind of rubs it's its kind of wiping butt. its butt, honestly. Yeah. It's wiping its I don't damn... think it has a big meaning. Yeah, yeah, it just probably has an itchy butt. Or... What does it mean? <laughs> I had a, well, in a, years ago, I had a damn cat, a different cat that would wipe her butt on the carpet. 
and I'd lose my mind. It would leave a mm-hmm. mar- a brown mark. Like a cat shit? Yes. We have a problem uh. with Wolfman right now, like basically using it, her butt as like a bingo dabber. <laughs> <laughs> so and she'll go around the carpet and just be like, yeah. boop, boop, boop. Yeah. It's so just dis- like that is just that pissed me off so much when my old cat did that. Yeah. Wolfman's got have some problems. some respect. Yeah. You always like the pets always have problems. They're like freaking animals in our house. Like I don't know why we don't. It's true. You know what? I I haven't had a dog since I was a kid, but um, you know what? We always had dogs growing up, and I love dogs. And you know, I really would really love them. But then it's so shattering to your to you know the intimacy you feel with the dog when you walk outside and you see it eating its own poo. Yeah, it's like oh god, this is. No, like poo. This is like, the most psycho intro of any episode <laughs> we'll ever have. I'm picturing you as a kid going like, "Oh crap, I'm in love with a moron." <laughs> yeah, I, we used to have this dog um, that I loved like crazy. Um, could fetch like crazy, jump high, always wanted to play, rub its belly and its leg moved, all that fun stuff. Mm. Lick your face, but I know what you mean. One night, uh, one afternoon, I go out in the backyard. And uh, there's the dog eating its own poo. Mm. And I go, no, 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 Quincy, no, Quincy, mm-hmm. no, don't eat poo. The dog looks at me, takes out a little bit of Tabasco sauce, <laughs> starts putting a couple drops on the poo. No, 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 Quincy, especially not now. That's spicy poop. Quincy, it's too hot. Oh, dog looks at me again, puts on a craft single slice of cheese on the poo. <laughs> Some relish, mustard. It basically turned the poo into a hot dog. <laughs> Shredded onions. It kept looking back at me. Every time I said no, it added a new topping. That dog, had, it sounds like it had uh, less than no respect for you. I know. But a hell of a damn chef. Hell of a lot of respect for its log of poo. <laughs> turned it into like a ballpark Frank. <laughs> Take me out to the ball. I no, 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 Quincy! <laughs> <laughs> I had a pet turtle as a kid. Uh, Don't tell me it ate its own poo. No, but it died. It was like a little tiny turtle, and I had like this little pl- tiny plastic aquarium for it. It died when Mike gave it its own little pair of nunchucks. <laughs> <laughs> it hit itself in the head trying to be like a Ooh. ninja turtle. <laughs> Well, it did die, and I don't think I knew for about two weeks. Oh, and then I came oh home one day, my. and they had thrown it in the garbage. They, my parents, and then <laughs> that was the end of my turtle. Just your 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 pet stories are just that you had sick and dying pets. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> we also had goldfish when I was very young, and it's probably a common thing. But my they died, and my mom wanted to use that moment to like teach us about mortality. And so brought us in in like a very somber like um, ceremony to like she told us like everything that's alive will one day die and it's just the way life is and death is a part of life and then put the goldfish in the toilet and flushed them and the only thing we took away from this ceremony was we're like ah, ha, ha, there are fish in the toilet <laughs> <laughs> usually it's only poo and pee <laughs> so we laughed. Watching the dead goldfish circle and around the toilet bowl. When you were growing up, animals in your house were garbage. <laughs> I gotta take out the trash. Uh, give me all that crap you're not playing with anymore. Some of those He-Mans, uh, the goldfish, a turtle, an old baseball glove that doesn't fit. 
every day, every, every Sunday, my dad would just take out the, the garbage can just full of dead animals and leave it on the driveway. My dad used to make me go to the bathroom and he'd make me watch him flush Transformers and G.I. Joes down the toilet. And I was like, what are you doing? And he was like, they're dead. You know, guys, before we get into our evil man of the week, we should mention that we have a Patreon account. You can find it at patreon.com slash evilmen. And let me tell you, folks, yeah. for five bucks a month, you're going to get two bonus episodes a month. Uh, we've got one, an interview up there with Chip Zdarsky. We've mm-hmm. got another thing that's very funny. We're about to record a ton more. You're going to love it. It's five bucks Canadian a month, so yeah. it's really not that much. And um, we would be grateful if you check it out. And if you can't, maybe you could rate and review us on iTunes. Absolutely. $5 Canadian is basically nothing. Our, uh, just, you know, newsflash, the loony is losing value every day. The other thing you mentioned is called Evil Zen. And it's a really good, dense uh, hang with the three evil men hosts just spritzing. Yes, one of our About Patreon anything. episodes. About anything. There's no topic. We just find one and we go. Yeah, one of our Patreon episodes. God, is why called- did a hot rod have to drive by when I was saying that perfect pitch? <laughs> I don't know. Yes, Evil Zen is the name of one of our Patreon episodes. And you know what? Here's a you know secret. We're actually going to a cottage this upcoming week, and we're going to record a bunch of Patreon episodes at a cottage. Yeah, probably drunk on gin. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, on the Sunday, I am leading an ayahuasca ceremony, and we're all going to lose our minds. And uh, yeah, the knows? evil men topic will be the demons we see after the ayahuasca hits. Yeah, <laughs> I'm scared of that. Or the uh, DMT aliens that apparently a lot of people see after they take DMT. DMT, they see little aliens for oh. the rest of their life. No, like on after they take it, they see some sort of little elves. <laughs> If you do DMT and uh, you do see aliens, I wonder if they look like like scary aliens like H.R. Uh, Geiger or if they look like you know, like Alf or like the Great Gazoo. From Mike, you can I Google was thinking it. Gazoo, yeah. You can Google what these aliens look like. They look like little gray elves. Everyone sees the same thing. But mm. usually when you do it, it's in like the Amazon, right? So like I picture like a really cool... Um, like of this earth natural kind of like weird mud alien thing. But e- I didn't take DMT. guys like this. See? Little green. Well, the, they're green in this picture. That's but. just the classic green no, Martian Michael, Are you sure you. that they're not the shaman? That is just the- trans... Fake, like transmogrified you're, in your tripping eyes, James. That's just the take me to your dealer alien. Is that what you see no, as you're no, leaving well, this world? M- maybe. Take me to your leader. We are the leaders. <laughs> I swear that's just like your tripped out eyes, like reshaping the faces of the shamans that are guiding you on the trip at the in the first place. There's another DMT alien. It's all on Google Images, guys. <laughs> James is showing us a funny cartoon of an alien. Mom, Dad, this is what I saw. <laughs> that's what you did on with our money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Patreon money so far, yeah. Chris, sure. you've, you, uh, you chose our evil man for this week, and um, who is it? Yeah, Chris, who the heck is it? This is a very interesting one, this episode, and uh, I thought it was fitting that we were talking about beasts and creatures that don't understand the laws of human beings mm. riffing off the top, because for evil men, I kind of went outside of the box this time. And I chose something that is uh, 
not really a man, although it does have a sort of man-like body, but it's also not really evil because of its cosmic otherworldliness, even though it drives people to insanity to where they either kill themselves or kill others. Hmm. Um, it has it, it is beyond the mere pathetic kind of like, is it good or is it evil construct that men inflict upon each other? It's beyond that. Wow. Because it is just a creature from... It's one of the old ones, as H.P. Lovecraft would call it. It's Cthulhu, who lives deep in the sea and uh, in a sunken uh, a city called Rylier or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> All the words. It was such a dramatic intro until, until the city is uh, Rylier. from Riley, North Carolina. <laughs> But all the words that H.P. Lovecraft made up for the Cthulhu world are all like gibberish nonsense fucked up. Even yeah. the name Cthulhu. I'll just describe it. Cthulhu is like... Is he a bug? <laughs> it's kind of. It's kind of like, like I said, what if it has like a man's type body, is that called anthropomorphic? No. That's... No, that's, that's something when you else. make an animal human, give them human. Okay, uh, so no, I'm yeah. thinking of is it anthropod, anthrop. Oh yeah, anthropod like body with a giant like almost octopus type head with tentacles for like on the face, like giant octopus tentacles hanging down, and dragon. And he's a dragon, like dragon wings. So, he's so it's got like three human, different things: human legs, human arms, and sort of octopus face, yeah. and dragon wings. Yeah, and it's ginormous, and its body is made out of stuff that, again, because it's from like ancient intergalactic worlds, the human mind can't even understand. Like in the end of the story, the Call of Cthulhu, I'm pretty sure I read it a long time ago. So sorry, my memory's bad, but I'm pretty sure the sailors of a ship ram it into his face. While he's chasing them, and the face destro- like breaks and then comes back together, and they're like, "Damn it!" Wow. Yeah. Have you seen a picture of, of what he looks like, James? <clears throat> yes. Yes. A, we're looking at a portrait of C- oh, Cthulhu. but it's a story Not exactly Brad written Pitt. by H.P. Lovecraft, who has changed who changed the world of horror, basically so, with this story. So I'm looking at him and I'm thinking. <clears throat> so he's kind of like an evil man, but on a otherworldly kind of level that we can't even touch with some of the humans we've so talked he, about. So he, you couldn't talk to him like, Cthulhu, how are you? He, he would just be like, he's on another plane. He doesn't even understand at, 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 like our minds. Does he speak English? What? No, he doesn't give a shit about anything we have to say. And he's way bigger than us. Here, I'll read the Wikipedia breakdown. Okay. Um, because they actually just put H.P. Lovecraft's description here. But in the... In the H.P. Lovecraft didn't talk as dumb as I did. I do. He oh. thinks he's a bit smarter. But he says, huh. a monster of vaguely anthropoid. That's what I was getting at. Yes. Outline. Uh, but with an octopus-like head whose face was a mass of feelers, a scaly, rubbery-looking body, prodigious claws on hind and forefeet, and long, narrow wings behind. Now, looking at the picture, the drawing of him... That's scary, right? It, it's very scary. It's scary, but it also does make remind me of the kind of appetizer I like to order when I go to a bar. I'm talking yeah. about calamari, because yeah. it doesn't look too different from calamari. I've never had 
Uh, I've never had like fried octopus or anything, but it does it it does look like that. So imagine calamari was like one calamari was the face of something the size of King Kong, and it arose out of the ocean. Right, and just the look of it drove you to insanity. And the giant calamari monster. Imagine that it had been dreamed up by a racist man. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think like. I haven't read all of the Cthulhu mythos like that. So H.P. Lovecraft wrote The Call of Cthulhu, which basically first appeared in uh, Weird Tales in, oh God, when is it? 1920-something, 28, is I believe. Tw- 28 stuck out to me. Yeah, yeah. Because imagining like what was going on. 1928, in yeah, culture, in Weird Tales. It's the Roaring 20s. Yeah. People are swing dancing. The Benny Goodman Orchestra. Right, the banana, banana, What the fuck is that? Run! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like the Great Depression hasn't happened yet. <laughs> no. Everyone's like... America is at the height of prosperity. Um, I think Cthulhu, the creation of Cthulhu, created the Depression. Right. He, uh... Oh, I cut you off, sad. though. You had a, oh, you were so building to something. Imagine everyone's having a nice time. You know, F. Scott Fitzgerald's writing his, his great works. Yeah. And you got H.P. Lovecraft, a guy just sitting in a dark room writing about a big squid. But H.P. Uh, Lovecraft himself suffered from uh, really bad anxiety... And no neuroses, <laughs> but he kind of. I think it was him or other people have reasoned that the creation of Cthulhu could be used as an explanation of like all of humanity's anxiety because deep down we know that the ancient, the old ones. <laughs> oh my god, he's coming! The dogs are barking at Cthulhu right now, rising out of Lake Ontario. But because Cthulhu lives sleeping dormant in the underwater uh, city Raleigh, should I look that up so I can get the whatever? Oh, R apostrophe L Y E H. You guys say that. Yeah, Raleigh. So is he like? Is Cthulhu like the unspoken, unrealized like apprehensions and fears of like? America or or humanity in general? Humanity, because if yes. down there, we're, we're like in a, it's a sleeping in a uh, hibernating within in an underwater city in the South Pacific. So, like, if we know that that ominous old ancient creature from hundreds of millions of years ago will ever arise, humanity is doomed. The planet is doomed, right? And it's always kind of lurking there, and that's kind of like a good. I want to say to the listeners, too, like, yes, we talk about actual evil men. Yes, we talk about cartoon evil men. But I like monsters, so we might throw some monsters in here every now and then. And to everyone who, when they think of sea creatures, thinks of, you know, Sebastian from Little Mermaid, well, this isn't the episode for you. (laughs) Well said. Can I read you guys something that will take us a bit back to the beginning? Um uh, there's a poem by uh, Alfred Lord Tennyson called The Kraken. And I think that H.P. Lovecraft was a big fan of that. And I feel like it's really short. If I read it, um, you guys can get the idea of what inspired H.P. Lovecraft. But I also feel like Alfred Lord Tennyson's description of the creature, the Kraken, uh, also describes kind of like gives you the vibe of what we're thinking. Is that cool? Sure. Yeah. It's not that funny. This is the first poem of of Evil Men. Uh, I know. Perhaps each episode one of us might pick a poem and recite it to each other. I couldn't find a poem of Ivan the Terrible. Uh, Okay. Below the thunders 
of the upper deep, far, far beneath in the abysmal sea, his ancient, dreamless, uninvaded sleep, the kraken sleepeth. Faintest sunlights flee about his shadowy sides. Above him swell huge sponges of millennial growth and height, and far away into the sickly light, from many a wondrous grot and secret cell, unnumbered and enormous polypi, winnow with giant arms the slumbering green. There hath he lain for ages, and will lie battening upon huge sea worms in his sleep, until the latter fire shall heat the deep. Then once by man and angels to be seen, in roaring he shall rise, and on the surface die. So that damn. was... Yeah, damn, Alfred. <laughs> lord? But his lord was best. his middle name. He might not have <laughs> ever been a lord. Oh, really? Are you a lord, Alfred? Sort of. Um, <laughs> yeah. But Mr. So, Wayne, I've prepared a new poem for you. <laughs> <laughs> so that poem was clearly an inspiration, and I feel like that poem sums up the the idea of Cthulhu as a giant beast sleep, sleeping dormant in the outer, underwater city of... I was going to say, I was going to ask if the Kraken existed before Cthulhu, because I did think of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Where you got the Kraken. I did too, and right? that was one, cool. of the, <laughs> one of the bad guys had a Cthulhu face. Yeah. It's so Jeffrey embedded Rush, in all of... I think you're right. <laughs> like, it's so embedded in everything. Like, yeah, the, the inspiration that H.P. Lovecraft has had on, like cosmic horror and weird like psychological dark creature weirdness yeah it's affected everything like the guy the so i only really know the call of cthulhu but another uh, author created a mythos of cthulhu with all kinds of oh we gotta say this michael love this so cthulhu has a family and this was created i'm all over the place with this again i'm bad at these guys cthulhu's a family man <laughs> well, yeah. I, Chris, I'll, while you look stuff up, yeah, I think you I have what you look up what you want to say. Yeah. But um, I have some information here that Cthulhu did have a sister called Kasagtha. Yeah. And get this, guys, if you want to be absolutely disgusted, in my opinion, Cthulhu is not only, um, sorry, uh, Kasagtha is not only Cthulhu's sister, she's also his freaking girlfriend. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's his mate. Um, uh, yeah, and she's described as just a big pile of tentacles. And hey, mm-hmm. H.P. Lovecraft, uh, we're all hitting the uh, the gin joint tonight to have a nice night out dancing. Do you want to join us? Uh, sorry, gang, I'm writing about a big squid man who's <laughs> having a date and having sex with his sister slash girlfriend. Yep. And uh, they had two uh, two daughters too. Yeah, what is this? The royal freaking family. Uh, wow. Nectosa and Noctolhu. Yes. Just, and their names are, and all these words that I'm stumbling upon are supposed to be hard because H.P. Lovecraft wanted them to sound like a, a language beyond the comprehension of mere human beings mm. because they're from like outer space or whatever. Right. And that's another thing about this whole world building that he was creating way back then was he wanted to create horror and monsters that show up in your life where it just shows you the the complete meaningless of being alive because it's not just like a human that you can reason with. It's like a grander being that will just decimate you without even thinking twice. And he, I think he had his view that that's what life was basically like. And you know what? I freaking share that view, dude. Like fucking life's hard. HP sweet outlook, man. Hey, HP sauce, pour a little bit on me. I agree. Can I read some of his other family members though? Because I want to build up to one. 
He's born from his great-great-grandfather Azathoth, who I guess shows up later in the mythology. His grandfather Yogg-Sothoth. His grandmother Shub-Nagaroth. And guess what his main parents' name was? Nug. HP sauce on some nugs. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. You know, I'm looking up, I'm, I've got info on uh, his grandparent, Yog Soth Oth. And mm-hmm. it's interesting because it's described as another incomprehensible being that defies visualization. Yeah. So um, it seems like a lot of, of Lovecraft's creatures. I mean, yeah. I guess we're making fun of it, but I actually do think this is cool. I think it's cool like, too. I'm Seriously. genuinely reading through was, this and I think they're super interesting. I'm kind of not being funny right now because I'm genuinely jazzed about it this is, world. Yeah. Like, they all seem to to share this kind of like uh, formless, incomprehensible, like uh, yeah. being like he, there's a, a Lovecraft um, monster here called Nyar Lathotep, mm-hmm. which is crawling chaos. It's mm-hmm. a shape shifting um, beast. And one glance drives a man insane in you know, all these things. It's kind of cool. <laughs> that to Mike, this is laughable. <laughs> I'm just looking up. So he he didn't. I was like, oh, did. Did he experience something traumatic in World War One? He didn't serve his country in World War One. No. H.P. Lovecraft, but apparently his father, yes. went insane and died in an asylum from maybe syphilis. Syphilis, yeah. That's and his mother. So he, he was would also see when he was a kid. He would see his father like talking to nobody, all weird and shit. Oh so wow! You gotta think having a you know having a, a funny dad, and that's no other way to describe yeah. that. No, but a funny there dad. <laughs> There's <laughs> no other way. Dad, who are you talking to? Sagnothothoth. I'm talking to a, a, a great nothingness that can uh, destroy me in a flick of its, well, not wrist, but tentacle. Oh. oh. You know what? My dad really got me into tentacle faces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My dad was pretty cool. He was really fucked up. But yeah, like, so he grew up around insanity. Right, mm-hmm. and his mom was also institutionalized. I read, uh, so that it's got to leave a mark on a young guy. But it's yeah. a pr- it's a pretty creative. Um, they're pretty creative, evil creatures. Like I they're don't, in yeah. saturated in all of like the, uh, the when he talks about the old ones, the ancient ones arising from the sea and from being from outer space. You can't think of all the uh, kaiju. From like yes, Pacific Rim, the yes. monsters from uh, Stranger Things is a hundred percent Lovecraftian. So now, can I? Sorry to interrupt, stuff. Mike, but like, did you do you know much about the old ones or the ancient things? I glanced upon that. No, I I, I I hate to say it to the listeners, but I'm more excited about this world now, but like making the topic now. So maybe we can come back and do more creatures, sure. but like. Yeah, I read the Call of Thulu uh, a few years ago, and I really loved it. So, and can I just ask, like? What in like a, if you could summarize it, like mm-hmm. what happens in you know briefly in the Call of Cthulhu? Like, there's three he, chapters. One, a guy finds his uncle's book in like a <laughs> a bass relief. Do you know what a bass relief is? No, it's like a carved statue with the back still attached to it. Like it was carved out of the the thing that you can still see, mm-hmm. and the the Cthulhu image was carved into it. And so he discovers like. There's cults all over the world oh, that shit. worship this. This is what I mean. This is what's interesting about Cthulhu. This is what's evil about Cthulhu yeah. in my mind. It's almost he's almost a giant netherworldlyian outer space cosmic Charles Manson like thing Ooh. because it he has cults 
that act upon like for him and do bad things and kill people and kill themselves because of the sway of the call of Cthulhu. So in this in this book, this guy discovers there's this secret cult of all these people doing evil things because they're drawn to Cthulhu. Yeah. That's crazy. That's cool. Yeah, and so he goes kind of investigates all this stuff. And then in the third chapter, uh I can't remember if it's the main character or another a ship down near Australia goes and actually like the the funny part about the book, the irony is that all these cults are trying to summon Cthulhu all the time mm. and like having like robed like chants by the sea and all this stuff. Uh. But what actually awakens Cthulhu from the deep and uh, awakens him from the city of Gryalia mm-hmm. is a sailor's, their ship accidentally hits the island and uh, they trigger the awakening of Cthulhu. And that's, and like all these sailors perish. Like, but the th- weird thing How is, how do they trigger it? They they just accidentally I forget. you forget. That's I forget. Okay, that's I'm why so sorry. Our listeners are able it's to such a key to the story. <laughs> yeah, I know that's all right. No, we could look it up and then we could put it back in. But the thing is, is uh, so Cthulhu does rise at the end of the story. Spoiler alert! But it's not like a ma- monster that grabs you and eats you. Like ah, run! It's going. It's I'm in its claws. I'm in its jaws. You know, it's like mm. more like your brain explodes from insanity like once you see it well it feels like in a lot of like fantasy and you know stories there's this idea of like evil as a almost evil itself like as a as um you know what i mean like what's going on with the ring and in the lord of the rings and all that oh jr token hugely influenced uh, by lovecraft that's very interesting Mm mm-hmm no, like not everybody. At all. Twilight Zone, X Files, Black yeah. Mirror, you, you know, name it. Does does Cthulhu talk at all, or is he just this like silent Say presence? Cthulhu. <laughs> you said Cthulhu. Well, because there's the Metallica song "Call of Cthulhu." Oh, shit. Is how it, it's that? spelled differently, and I grew up pronouncing it Cthulhu. Make fun of me now oh, for being. Someone a, just got outed as a metalhead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure listeners uh, hearing my <laughs> voice picked that up a long time ago. Um, but yes. Well, I was just gonna ask: Does Cthulhu? speak or communicate at all or is it just a big silent foreboding presence that like communicates thoughts magically or i don't know (laughs) do you know (laughs) i don't know either but for the purposes of the podcast let's say no if it did talk what kind of voice would it have well, my, I, now, okay, I'm a good, uh, I'm good at this. Now, Chris did say Cthulhu was uh, came out of the sea near Australia. So <laughs> why do I think Cthulhu might have sounded like this? Hi, everybody, welcome. I'm I'm here. It's me, Cthulhu. God damn! Anybody know the score of the cricket or the rugby? Because uh, I've been down under the ocean and I don't know the scores. Is now a good time to invest in the stock market? Yeah, nineteen twenty-eight. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a stock market now here in Sydney. <laughs> but Chris, did you find out how Cthulhu was awoken? I never read anything about what Cthulhu sounds like. I think it's like I don't think when I've read descriptions of Cthulhu rising and freaking everyone out, like I, I never read about it like doing any damage. I think everybody just panics and freaks out. I think it's like this huge lumbering creature that just wants to like take over the planet earth again and like live in its old home i'm imagining the kind of reaction you would see in old you know in old news footage of when when mr michael jackson would walk down a street and there'd be thousands of fans screaming and chasing after him and people fainting and you know like losing their minds yeah i think if cthulhu had a baby it would dangle it over a balcony (laughs) 
Yeah. Here it says here, the crew struggle in comprehending the non-Euclidean geometry of their surroundings. So they're on the, the island, which is now the risen nightmare corp city of Riley, eh? When one of the sailors accidentally opens a monstrously carven portal, he release, releases Cthulhu. So he just opened something. Oh, shit. And that could even It's not be like a point blank, like, this is the person's rise to fame, this is their life, and this is their downfall, because it's like one story that's a bit ambiguous, honestly. Like, H.P. Lovecraft describes it a lot, but it's still a bit ambiguous. You don't actually see the Cthulhu creature until the very end of the third chapter, and all the sailors go haywire and perish and die. But So it's a bit ambiguous, but then there's all these mythos created in popular culture and from a fellow writer of weird tales uh going forward too but like i didn't read that shit it specifically inspired a lot of uh metal bands yeah as we mentioned earlier metallica has their instrumental hit that uh is blowing out of every uh open car window that's driving around these days call of cthulhu and then there's the song the thing that should not be which is Lovecraftian, uh, and they did some other ones later. Um, and the band Cradle of Filth, I read, uh, has a song about Cthulhu as well. Yeah. Cradle of Filth. Yeah. You know who doesn't have songs about Cthulhu? Rappers. Reggae singers. R.E.M. Country singers. <laughs> um, you know what sort of made me think of... Um of uh, what we were talking about with these Lovecraft themes too mm-hmm. was um, also uh, No Country for Old Men, the mm-hmm. Javier Bardem character. Mm-hmm. You know, like he was almost like the, he was almost described as like, mm-hmm. is he mortal? Is he not mortal? Is he an embodiment of evil? Like uh, maybe yeah. that's a du- maybe I'm in over my head. Uh, and he had a tentacle that he would hold and, and reach out and put like a cow bolt through your head. Oh yeah. shit, that's actually true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he had that haircut. That sort of bowl haircut that I think Cthulhu, Cthulhu also had a bowl haircut. And he would always be like, you want to see a picture of my sister? And he would pull out his wallet and show the picture of his sister. And he'd be like, but she's also my, my girlfriend. Wife. Yeah, yeah, my, yeah, yeah. And they had two daughters. <laughs> yeah. That's his dad's true. name was Nug. And his dad's <laughs> name, was, name was Nug. And mm-hmm. I, th- I think he had a bit of an Australian accent, like subtly. I don't think Nug was a good dad because if you are a good dad, you're probably not going to raise a guy like. Cthulhu. <laughs> not exactly Bob Saget from Full House. No, 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 no. No. Not even Uncle Joey. <laughs> not to say nothing of Dave Coulier. Um, Did Lovecraft revisit the Cthulhu character in other stories, or was it just in this one? Lovecraft uh, didn't, but he started building the worlds of the old ones, which I mentioned, which are like these right. millions of years ago so it's just this intergalactic one story. giant creatures. Okay. Yeah, that's but amazing. The, but the other author, um, August Derleth, who was a contemporary of Lovecraft, who also wrote for Weird Tales and stuff, started building the Cthulhu mythos. Um, okay. Yeah, later on. That's amazing that that all came from one short story. Because, uh, and it's also interesting that other writers and shows use Cthulhu so much. I wonder yeah. if like the Lovecraft estate gets like tons of money from that or what. It is. It's pretty like ubiquitous. The weird yeah. thing too is like the the weird tales. Like he had already published stuff with them, and at the time, weird tales was like the only publication in America that was doing like weird sci-fi and horror style stories. So it had a real like it wasn't hugely popular. It had a real niche, 
but everybody that's created all like this the writing and like Stephen King and people like that Neil Gaiman like they all come from that world like writers Mm. from that era and influence from that era but they weren't even going to publish Call of Cthulhu at first they were like I don't know it's not that good whatever it's not weird enough yeah, and yeah. then H.P. Lovecraft's friend said he's going to sell it to a different publication, and then they're like, all right, whatever, we'll print it. And then, yeah, it basically changed the landscape of horror writing forever. I read that he he struggled uh, to make a living by selling his writing when he, when uh, you know, at the time, that it wasn't, uh, wasn't very popular, yeah, yeah, with the, the wider that public. That gives me hope about my squid fiction. <laughs> if, I'm not making a living on it yet, but... And give, I mean, you've shown us chapters of your latest, you're writing a trilogy, but I've read yeah, an the erotic first two, trilogy. Yeah, erotic trilogy set in downtown Toronto about <laughs> yes. a millennial squid who's trying to find his way uh, career-wise and also romantically. Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, you know, try, try, do you think Tinder's hard as a human? Try being t- on Tinder as a Cthulhu. Um not great. Can I give you guys the breakdown of the great old ones, which I keep mentioning that Lovecraft kind of created? I'm curious about the old ones. Yeah. So I'm just going to read it straight from the Wikipedia because Wikipedia says it better than me. When I hear oh, the yeah. term the old ones, I don't know about mm-hmm. you guys, but I think of the young, young ones. Da, 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 the Rolling Stones, <laughs> you know? Oh, sure. oh nice. I think of peaches that I have to throw out because they're not, they're overripe. I think of the BBC 80s sitcom The Young Ones because I'm oh, always right. reverse. Well, maybe the young ones is based on H.P. Lovecraft's idea of the old ones. Oh fuck! Right, little they are like little monsters. Those young ones, the little punk, snotty weirdos. Yeah, good point. Rick Mayall terrorize people. Yeah, later rose to famous drop dead Fred. <laughs> An ongoing theme in Lovecraft's work is the complete irrelevance of mankind in the face of the cosmic horrors that apparently exist in the universe. That's basically what I was trying to say like twenty five minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Lovecraft made frequent references to the Great Old Ones, a loose pantheon of ancient, powerful deities from space who once ruled the Earth and have since fallen into a death-like sleep. While these monstrous deities were present in almost all of Lovecraft's published work, his short story, his second short story, Dagon, published in 1919, is considered the start of the mythos. The first story to really expand the pantheon of Great Old Ones and its themes is The Cult of Cthulhu. So there you go. That's kind of neat that he had, like, you know, he kind of had his own uh, universe or whatever with these old ones as a mm-hmm. recurring theme in all the stories. That's yeah. cool. It's really neat. Who would have been? I don't know anything beyond the very. I have just a very surface knowledge of sci-fi, but would like does it go? Is like H.G. Wells like where it begins? So it's like a little before I Lovecraft? believe. Like uh, yes, what was it? Um, it's eighty whatever thousand leagues under the sea and the oh Arthur's. No, no, that, Jules was, Verne? that no. was Jules Verne. I think Sorry. that's considered the first. I think okay. that's considered the first sci fi. But you're right, H.G. Wells and the Time Machine. I think they were a little before. Right. So he, he was sort of st- striking out on his own here, Lovecraft, with s- building such a uh, bizarre world at this time. Like this mm-hmm. is just during World War I, basically, or just after World War I. You yeah. know what struck me as well? Listening to Chris's description of the old ones, I mean, it's. No less plausible than Scientology. Right. And would he be a contemporary with yes. Hubbard? Yes. L. Ron Hubbard totally wrote, like, weird sci-fi fantasy. But not a contemporary. Or, he was later. Wasn't he? Yeah. But, you maybe know, but I'm he wrong. came, like, yeah, maybe a few years later. Sure. 
But he got no, maybe a few decades later. <laughs> yeah, because it wasn't the twenties. It was like the was it when did when did he switch to Dianetics? Was that sixties? But it's but but it's like Al Ron Hubbard is. Oh, fuck, we should do him as a subject. Actually, actually, it's a great one. <laughs> actually, let's not do this episode. I'll go back and read about him. No, but, it's good. But yeah, L. Ron Hubbard uh, is the the most example we have of someone literally switching from writing made up, hokey sci-fi and fantasy, and then straight up being like. And now it's this is a religion I made up. <laughs> yeah. Like, you've never seen that before, you know? Oh, yeah. Coming from, like, a sci-fi writer. Oh, God, yeah. That's so funny. Um, well, we'll have to do an episode on him. That mm-hmm. is super well, interesting. I was reading just the uh, bio of H.P. Lovecraft. He was a, like, a monarchist. He was an American, but he was, like, an Anglophile. He loved Britain, and he didn't like democracy. <laughs> He wanted America to have a, a monarchy again. I wonder how that it, the ancient. I'm trying to think of like are the ancient ones like the dead overthrown yeah, kings? That, totally and emperors. When once Cthulhu would rise up, that's such a great point. Once Cthulhu would rise up, basically all human beings would be worthless and therefore like subjugated to the whims of Cthulhu and the great old ones. So we'd some people have written like we would basically become like mindless slaves for them right uh but but yeah the main terror of cthulhu is that upon sight it drives men to insanity huh yeah. like pamela anderson yes or um an ikea instruction booklet <laughs> okay that thing they should rename the, the cthulhu instruction booklet because yeah. i can't look at that for five minutes without losing my mind i would Just love my girlfriend <laughs> I don't think H.P. Lovecraft would have been too handy. If you see pictures of him, the guy looked uh, like he didn't know how to handle a Black & Decker power drill. Hey, H.P. Lovecraft, did you see that beautiful babe that just walked into the pub? <laughs> yes, she is so otherworldly, she's driving me to insanity. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, my life is meaningless now. I would love to see Cthulhu on Baywatch in one of those red bikinis. <laughs> Running down the beach. Actually, it would have been a cool, a pretty cool Baywatch if, like, they're all on the beach looking hot and doing their thing, and then in the distance you see Cthulhu rise from the ocean, and they have to like address, like, what do we do? David Hasselhoff's yeah. brain just explodes yeah. like in scanners. Yeah, I would love that. Mitch, cool. oh my God, Mitch's head is all over the sand. That's not cool. <laughs> CJ. Oh, CJ was Pamela Anderson, yeah. wasn't she? Woo! Cool. <laughs> Next thing you know, she Pam, Pam Anderson's doing a darn sex tape with Cthulhu. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what I saw of Tommy Lee? Yeah, they might be the... He's got a tentacle, I'll put it that way. <laughs> That's another thing uh, I, I've... When I was like scouring the, the internet for information on you Cthulhu, you watched the Pamela Anderson Tommy Lee sex tape. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing research for a podcast about uh, sci-fi. <laughs> That's why I'm not as prepared, because I was jacked off so much. <laughs> but honestly, no, it does say in Call of Cthulhu they did also describe his dick as being huge, dude. <laughs> <laughs> he underlined it. Now, yeah. just like our Vince McMahon episode, I think that this episode is going to get diehard. Lovecraft fans very angry. Yeah. Well, and there's two p- groups of people you don't want to piss off. Wrestling fans and diehard Lovecraft fans. What the fudge did I do? Well, we were like talking last night and I was like, I'll do Cthulhu. 
<laughs> and then I also have daughters and try to get my own sleep. I don't know. You know what? There's lots of very interesting information. There's lots of laughs. I think we'll be able to... At worst, we'll have to insert something, no? Let's try and find yeah. some more laughs. <laughs> so he was... H.P. <laughs> <laughs> Lovecraft is fam- was famously uh, <laughs> racist in his... Oh, just so everyone's clear, I wasn't laughing about that. I was just <laughs> laughing at, at Chris. Yeah, H.P. Lovecraft, like, super neurotic, uh, yeah, insane, scared of everything. So I feel like, uh, but it was also a product of his time, which was like the early 20th century. So those kind of like beliefs are, you know, pretty rotten back then sometimes when it comes to other people. But I do think that his neuroses and his fear of everything probably added to his... Racism. Some some uh, authors of that time from America expressed their racism by uh, you know Tom Sawyer. Others created the unknowable and fearsome sea creature Cthulhu. Now, yeah. Mike, you looked up a little bit about this. Did you find um, info about Lovecraft being a, a bad guy himself? Apparently, he overall was politically. And I guess so culturally, all over the map, he began life as like a very conservative monarchist. Then, after the Depression, became like a full-throated supporter of FDR and considered himself a socialist. But he was a Bernie the, bro. He was a he was a darn Bernie bro. He uh, yeah. And then he also though initially supported Hitler, like a lot of Americans did. Thought this Hitler fella uh, you're yeah. reading about in the well, you know, so did Walt Disney. A lot of, and Henry Ford, but like yeah, oh yeah, right. Then apparently soured on Hitler for uh, certain reasons, and nice. he married a Jewish woman. But a lot of his writing contains uh, ra- racial epithets, and he was very anti-immigrant overall. Well, uh, apparently, the Call of Cthulhu was originally entitled "There Goes the Neighborhood," <laughs> and then in brackets, "The South Pacific Ocean." <laughs> Uh, I just want a powerful Australian race to rise up and uh, <laughs> destroy all the inferior yeah. races. He thinks the Australians are the <laughs> super Yeah, he super was racist. Um, Did he ever visit Australia? Or was it just like he imagined what Australia was like? Yeah. I don't so know. So it sounds like... Well, I haven't read about this, so perhaps I shouldn't say anything. But it sounds like it's... Um, it's a complicated situation, his legacy, like using language that is really <laughs> awful from another time. Yeah. Supported Hitler, then de-supported him, married a Jewish woman. So that's, you know, on the on the downside, supported Hitler. On the plus side, married a Jewish woman and then disavowed Hitler. Okay. Uh, you know, we've all been there. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a confusing time when he lived. Uh, and uh, yeah. Wow. It is hard to read an old book, though. Yeah, yeah, you guys yes. find that it's hard to read. All the book. Call of Cthulhu is written like shit. Like I have to understand it from like reading notes online. Anyways, oh uh, no, offense. I'm not. Like, yeah, beside, his, beside the words he used, like is his writing style? It, is it more ideas based than like beautiful like, prose? The or part like, about like them like being there being cults. He doesn't use the word cult because maybe cult is more modern. But so you're like what? Like I guess you get you kind of understand that people are worshiping and like interested in Cthulhu, but. Yeah, I had to read other stuff to understand like fully like how it was like cults like worshiping him by the sea and stuff. Huh. But also like what you were saying about his both his parents being institutionalized. 
H.P. Lovecraft himself had a fear of going insane. So that probably also explains why Cthulhu, when you see it, drives you to madness. If I just keep writing this incredibly disturbing science fiction, maybe I can stave off madness. (laughs) Yeah. Why don't I put my madness on paper? (laughs) Hey, everybody. Check out my madness. You know, they always say, write what you are afraid to know. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Hmm. I wish I knew more about H.P. Lovecraft for the purpose of this episode, but really I just wanted to talk about the monster. You know what I find interesting about H.P. Lovecraft? What? He was born and he died in Rhode Island. What cartoon character (laughs) makes you think of Rhode Island, Lois? (laughs) Peter Griffin from Rhode Island. Yes, yes, it's me, Stewie. Do you like Lovecraft? I don't know, it's me, Brian, I do. And I do too. I'm Peter Griffin. <laughs> Just a little riff there. Brian, I don't know if you nailed Brian. You don't think this sounds like Brian? That's pretty good. Thanks. Yeah, but I thought That's I never I never yeah. really watched Family Guy, but I thought Brian was <laughs> Can you shut the fuck up? <laughs> the cops arresting everybody outside is also not helping this episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, it I feel like Brian is like Gee, what do you think of that guy with the tentacles all over his face? Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Huh. Looks like this octopus man's trying to sell us something. Right. Hey, did you did you guys watch Mar last night? Some really good points. <laughs> There's little jokes like that. I have to admit that I'm conservative. <laughs> <laughs> Was there ever an H.P. Lovecraft um, character or, uh, you know, references on Family Guy if it's set in, uh, in Rhode Island? <laughs> <laughs> there probably you know, there's got to be. I think, I feel like there was. I'm trying to... Find it, access it in my memory bank. Because the only I other hate thing, to say this, but what's the creator of Family S- Guy's name again? S- Seth MacFarlane. Do you think Seth MacFarlane reads books? <sighs> I don't know. It's hard well, to say, he right? executive produced co- the remake of Cosmos. Maybe he reads books yeah, about that shit's cool about the the great crooners. He reads Tony Bennett's <laughs> biography. He reads uh, Frank Sinatra's books. In all those books, Frank Sinatra was always writing. I feel bad. I didn't mean to. <laughs> it, it, I, <laughs> Remember? I didn't mean to insult Seth MacFarlane, but I literally never was a fan of anything he made. I didn't watch yeah, it. Yeah, I hear you that. But, but no, no offense. No not offense. even Seth MacFarlane's crooner album? Because he put out an album. He's he put like? out a few and they've won Grammys. No. I mean, he's, there's no competition. It's right. him, Tony Bennett, and like... He was like 90. Yeah. Does Harry Connick Jr. still do it? Um, crooning. <laughs> I am crooning. Yeah. That'd be really good. Well, I would love to have dinner with you. That's all the crooners talk about is having a nice candlelit dinner with her <laughs> lady. I send back this dish? I don't think it was cooked correctly. I'm Walking down a staircase <laughs> to a dinner table where you sit. I would love. Would you like to sit and have a dinner with me? I would love if you released a crooning <laughs> album and the, the, the single is just you singing crooning. I'm crooning. I'll have the surf and turf. She'll have the Nikoi salad. <laughs> I'm wearing my favorite friend, my dinner jacket once again. Tuxedo, tuxedo, and a dinner to go with it. <laughs> Coat check, that's where I put my stuff while I'm eating a dinner with you. <laughs> yes. And now the classic hit, Coat check. <laughs> Baby, would you. Wait, is it. <laughs> 
<laughs> Baby, would you accompany me to the coat check? There's a prize I want to surprise. I want to show you in the pocket of your fur coat. Yeah, they always wear fur coats, tuxedos, and two lit t- candles, and that's all they sing about. Waiter, I don't want to alarm you, but I just came back from the men's room and someone made a awful mess in there. <laughs> Baby, don't use the bathroom. <laughs> I think we should make a fucking crooner album and take out Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, and Connick Jr. and yeah. Buble. Boom, going down. It'd be fun if we could do that Kathy Griffin thing <laughs> where it's the three of us holding the decapitated, bleeding heads of Harry Connick Jr., Tony Bennett, and Seth oh, MacFarlane. Yeah. And it's called We're Coming For You. You know what? Even if we get canceled, it will make us more popular. Yeah. Dinner, candlelight dinner by the pool. My mom is acting like the waiter. (laughs) Mom, what do you call this crap? You know, like, I picture those, like, 60s sort of weird bungalow pools with, like, a candlelit dinner, but they're still wearing a fabulous dress and tuxedo. I hate it when your swimming trunks stick to your body and everyone can see your penis. (laughs) I hate how the world is not 1964 still. (laughs) Smoking and eating supper at the same time. Clam chowder and a cigarette. (laughs) Doesn't get much more classy than this. (laughs) Clam chowder and a cigarette. (laughs) Would you kiss me on the lips after a bit of clam chowder and a cigarette? Garlic bread, (laughs) when will you arrive? (laughs) I'm sorry, the garlic bread was stale, baby, but you're so fresh. (laughs) I would like to see your bum. (laughs) Walk-in closet. I got a new bungalow with a walk-in closet. (laughs) Oh, my God. Having dinner, candlelight dinner in a walk-in closet. (laughs) Chandelier over my toilet. Big bathroom. Let's have dinner in the big bathroom. Everything we need is in here. We don't ever need to leave. Flushing the food we don't eat down the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh my God. (laughs) I blew all my money at the dry cleaners. I own just too many suits. Walk in closet next to the big bathroom. Like, this guy is so enamored this big bathroom. <laughs> like, it's a... Uh. The band is really swinging by the toilet tonight. <laughs> Trombone players taking a shit. <laughs> oh, I almost barfed. I love the idea of, like, yeah, a romantic crooner and the piano players, like, he's, like, in a... Like the beautiful brand new big bathroom in like a sort of like 
Beverly Hills bungalow or like Mulholland Drive bungalow or something and the bathroom is sparkling and shining and <laughs> only a piano pianist is accompanying him and but the pianist's stool is the toilet and the pianist pants her down and he's taking a shit playing a romantic song as the guy welcomes her into the candlelit bathroom yes baby that's dave brubeck taking a dump and tingling the ivories for me play it again shitty (laughs) sorry about the smell so hp lovecraft Having dinner with Cthulhu. <laughs> He's driving me mad. <laughs> yeah, H.P. Lovecraft and Cthulhu. Whatever. This episode's <laughs> fucking trashed, but whatever. <laughs> I can't remember facts. I didn't write it down. Fuck it. Cthulhu Keep that in, Mike, too. I want I want the listeners to know that I, I don't give a shit and I fucked up. Who cares? I think we gave up, uh, what, 40 minutes in? <laughs> Um, We've done an hour and 15 and we got one stripe left on the battery. I think that Cthulhu would have been a great saxophone player with those big tentacles of his, you know? Well, what is there to know about Cthulhu, really? He's a monster. We... The, the exactly. story about him. He's made up. I told you everything, <laughs> Jesus. And yeah. we know a little bit about Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. If we got H.P. Lovecraft hardcore, and I like H.P. Lovecraft. Honestly, even just skimming the information again uh, today and yesterday, it really inspired me. I want to actually go through another deep dive of Lovecraft. Like His imagination broke the mold in horror, <laughs> sci-fi, fantasy. Like He's pretty freaking cool, aside from having bad ideas, 1920s-style ideas about America. But the thing is, is if we got hardcore H.P. Lovecraft listeners and you know even more like interesting, weird, funny details of the, the later Cthulhu uh, mythos that the other writers contributed to, hey, let us know. Like, I don't know, I'm interested. Know. Consider this episode a trailer for our Cthulhu episode. <laughs> yeah, we'll come back strong next time. <laughs> This is Cthulhu Part 1. Let's just say that. Yeah, part one. part 1. Yeah, this is Cthulhu Part 1. We will come back to Cthulhu yeah, yeah. Part 2. We're going to take We're mushrooms and do think yeah. about Cthulhu at the cottage. There's yeah. a swimming hole near, near us in a river. Yeah. Who knows what lurks beneath. And, uh, you know, to be honest, you don't want to reveal too much about Cthulhu to the listener. Yeah. Because they're driving around right now on some highway. And they don't want to go mad behind the wheel of a car listening to a podcast that they're supposed to get a damn laugh at. That's a good yeah, point. That's yeah, the thing. Like we we could be responsible for the you know a, a good size audience of people going. But also, we didn't hold much back. There yeah. isn't like we told you a lot it's about true. Cthulhu based on the information of the story. Well, maybe the next ep- part two will focus exclusively on Nug. Yeah, <laughs> Nug, and then Hasharagoth and Saggagathoth. Soggy, yeah. <laughs> and we'll we'll touch on crooners again because I do think you, yeah. it's difficult to do a Cthulhu episode without <laughs> touching on crooning. Yeah, and, <laughs> and Family Guy, like you and said, Family Guy, because he's I got a Rhode Island, yeah, native. Yeah, yeah like well, <laughs> the only other thing I can associate with Cthulhu in Rhode Island is that tragic Rhode Island Great White Fire, where <laughs> there all those people were sadly lost their lives. But imagine if during that fire, the earth beneath the club opened up. Yeah. And who emerges <laughs> from beneath there but Cthulhu, <laughs> Mr. C. You've got a mind that yeah. might rival H.P. Lovecraft, Michael. Well, I hate to say I th- it. Thank you, I think. Yeah, well, you might want to yeah, double think. Mm. Well, <clears throat> do we... Um, 
I mean, it's a tradition on evil men to... The old ways, the old traditions. Absolutely. We go down into the cellar and we open up a creaky door and we pull out this giant contraption with all sorts of wheels and wires all over the place. (laughs) And that is our evil meter. And Mm -hmm. it goes on a scale of one to ten. One being the lowest, your Steve Urkels. Ten being the highest, like Hitler. Hitler. So... um, Folks, let's let's fire up the evil meter here and enter in our inputs to this machine. Where would you guys put Cthulhu on the evil meter, one to ten? Oh, he's Mr. E. He's number ten. He's up there with Hitler. Different kind of guy than Hitler. Doesn't yeah. say a lot. No, but uh, he's very bad. Bad news. Don't want him. Don't want any part if of him. If Cthulhu came back now, the planet would be over as we know it, and especially humanity. Yeah. Mm. It's a scale of one to ten doesn't even do what would happen justice. Yeah. Wow. Under the powers of Cthulhu. Okay. I'm going, the scale has exploded. Oh, uh, I was going to go for a similar meta answer. Do it. I was going to say, in my opinion, Cthulhu is both ten and zero. Because, right. what? yes. What? He's an embodiment of evil and darkness. Oh. But because he's on another plane... It's almost as though there's no intent. He's not human enough to have evil, maybe. It's just a part of who he is. So he's, you know, it's almost like you have to put in some um, irrational number into the scale. Mm. One divided by zero. That's that's where he is. It's an irrational number. It can't be calculated by our dumb brains. That's very beautiful, but but also scary. Thank you. Mm. Yes. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's pretty good, actually. <clears throat> that was really good. Yeah, I well, think so, too. Patreon.com slash evil men. And until next time, gentlemen, we've been Evil Men. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. 